Welcome to the Male Fertility Podcast, a podcast designed to help support and educate men as they go through their own fertility struggles. Hi, I'm Kieran. And I'm Sean. And we'll do that by sharing our stories of what we went through, as well as having guests share their knowledge and experience. Right, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the uh, fifth episode of the Male Fertility Podcast. Uh, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I've got a very bruised leg, as you know, which I sent you a picture of earlier. <laughs> I, I did read this message and you've just joined my memory. What actually happened? Oh, mate, I, I genuinely, I, I can't even really explain it. This is yesterday, but I went for a walk yeah. and uh, I, I, I got a bit lost and I, I live on a hill and you can see this church from miles away, which is on the hill. So I was like, I know which direction I need to go in. So I was walking through fields and uh, I came to this like wooden fence to a farmer's field. And I just went to climb over it, but it was like really rickety. And I've got to the top and just gone to jump off. But as I've like pushed to jump, I I, mean, I don't even know what happened at this point, but it's like gone from underneath me, but then sprung back. And I've just <laughs> like what hit it with all my weight on the outside of my left thigh. And I, I'm like six, two, and I think about 95 kilos at the moment. And then like you got the downward force as well. Oh, I was in so much pain. <laughs> Didn't and, I? Like, there's a there's, there's there's the adult part of me that thinks oh that was really when it came through I was like oh that's that's serious that but then that little boy inside me that will always be there just started laughing yeah oh mate I, I got home so I limped home. I, honestly I was in so much pain what was really funny though like this was next this really like r- really amazing like lottery home and I had like I've been looking at it as I was walking through the field I was like you know just imagine living there. And I've jumped over the fence and like kind of, it looks like I was, and then there's there this lady like walking her dog and it looked like I was kind of making a quick escape. I was wearing a hoodie. So I'm thinking, I think she's just thinks I burgled the joint. And then I'm like limping off. And I was like, hello. She didn't just looked away or scared. And I'm like, oh God. But sure. um, I got home and I, I, Jenna was like, what's the matter? Because I was laughing. But I was kind of like laughing, but in so much pain that it was like, a, I just couldn't like get my breath. And I I was just trying to say I've, I've fallen over and then Evelyn came out and was like what's going on like, what's the matter daddy and I was like I said your daddy's an idiot he's 40 years old and he's fallen over I said I shouldn't be falling over at 40 and I've hurt my leg and I showed her at the time and it hadn't come up much but and she went oh I, I have a bad leg too daddy which is really sweet yeah they always try and um it's amazing little ones they always try and comfort you yeah I always like like adults just laugh when things like happen it's like that's funny you dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that's pretty much what jenna said but i like jen never gives me sympathy but like if something <laughs> happens to me guarantee i'll get it off the kids even if i don't want it they'd be like oh, you're right dad sit down and then yeah. enya, enya will go and get her little like um she's got a thing about plasters oh. like uh, we go through plasters like i don't know like ice lollies mate they just go so um I always get a plaster, even if there's not a mark there. If you, like, I've, got a headache. I've got a headache, I get a plaster on the head, you know. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? But the wives, mate, no sympathy. No, absolutely none. <laughs> no, and you know, yeah, so that's that. If, if I sit down for more than about 10 minutes, my leg starts seizing up. It's like oh, the right. ultimate dead leg. But um, yeah, other than that, all good. I've got my, I've got some, I'm, I'm joining that big headphone hype like you today. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit like Tim Westwood, to be honest. <laughs> Tim Westwood, we better not mention him at the moment. He's got some stuff going on in the in the media, isn't he? A couple of months ago, so oh really? Yeah. I, 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 I don't even I don't 
watch or read any of it. I, I right. cut it out during um, COVID. It's been great for like mentally, like, just oh, yeah. not knowing what's going on in the world. It's great. Well, a lot of it's just noise, isn't it? People, yeah. Try, that's what it's designed to kind of trying to sell sell yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, keep us down. It's depressing. So I just stopped consuming it. And I always say the news I need to know finds its way to me. Oh, 100%. 100%. I wonder if there was anyone out there in the world who didn't know about COVID. Mm. Like, obviously, in the Western world, they wouldn't have got away with it. But there must have been places in the world that yeah, just like never... tribes in the Amazon and stuff. Yeah, just not aware of it. Yeah. Mate, we're going off we're on a tangent. Know. We How are. are aren't we? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right, mate. Uh, yeah, busy day, as I told you. But I did, the yeah. bonus today was went to see um, Enya's like, not, it wasn't a nativity. It was like six songs that the nursery had put together for us to sing to the parents. Um, and it was great. So Enya has spent the last two weeks singing these songs in the back of the car. Um, and yesterday I tried to sing along with her and I was told very aggressively, you do not sing, Daddy. I sing on my own. <laughs> So I was like, all right. But today when I went to watch her, um, she sat there and didn't mutter a word and just looked Aww. at everyone like, like as if it was complete stage fright. She did a bit of the actions and stuff, but I think there was a lot of people there and she positioned herself right at the front. It was very cute. And the, and, and the older ones in the nursery like did amazing. So in the back of my head, I thought, well, that'd be her next year because uh, she's new to... Uh, she's only been going like two terms so she she's still finding her feet and she only goes three times a week so it's um the christmas experience singing and, and everything like that for people was very different and new for her so mm. yeah that was that was my uh highlight of my day uh, bless her. bless her yeah yeah she's at her auntie's at the moment so um she goes on a wednesday to sleep at her auntie's house so it gives us a bit of uh, chill out time you know because it can be very yeah. intense as you know you've got two of them mate i've only got one that age but i can only imagine how intense it is with two <laughs> yeah it is but on that note actually how was your christmas it was good uh <laughs> i tried to throw you there <laughs> no yeah you tried to throw me but no it was good mate i'm uh i'm looking forward to it <laughs> Well, that you've, had it. you've had it I yeah, know. No, well, but it's like uh, by the time uh, people listen to this yeah uh, we would have had it but it's not quite yeah. christmas yet is it mate? no this is we're it's still early december but um we're recording this one which will be going out on the 27th which is that weird week in between christmas and new year yeah so we do no hope really knows what day it is yeah yeah we do hope that um everyone's had a good christmas we know uh both of us know how challenging Christmas can be at this time of year with social gatherings and, and things like that. So, um, you know, look after yourselves, put yourselves first and yeah. make decisions that maybe people won't fully understand. Um, the people that need to understand will one day uh, or, yeah. or do now. So don't stress too much. Look after yourselves. But I guess that moves us on nicely to what our topic is going to be today. So yeah, we're going to be talking about the different pathways uh, to parenthood. Because originally, um, we kind of named this podcast or this episode different pathways um, in fertility. But as I texted it earlier, mate, it, for me, it didn't, that title didn't sit right because it kind of, um, you know, he's making a statement that is specifically about like fertility treatment. And we both know that, you know, uh, for some, 
that isn't an option and there are other options um like like you were, you went down the uh, the donor route and and there's also adoption and, and things like that so we're just gonna have a chat about things today aren't we mate? just kind of yeah what's the options uh what to expect maybe in the more i don't want to use the word uh common options but the more uh frequently appearing things that people will come across uh yeah. when, when traveling this journey of fertility yeah so what that, that's it and because we are both the same and many many people are, are the same in that you you get thrust into this world you have no idea about fertility treatment you find yourself in in this shit storm mm. and then suddenly you're getting all these new terms thrown at you as well so we're also going to talk about assisted conception i.e fertility treatment and, and what that can consist of some of the different options that, that are available and, and routes that are used i mean like just some of the terms just like that we're going to say now for example ICSI I mean yeah. everyone kind of knows IVF that, that's become a bit of an umbrella term for, for fertility treatment but that's actually not the same as ICSI or IUI for example so it's important to, we're going to give a very broad overview of what they are but and I think we also need to heavily caveat at this point that we're not scientists or we're not embryologists we are not experts in this field but we've walked the walk we know a little bit but if we could just give a little bit of knowledge about what they are to, to better arm people who find themselves in the same situation, then it, it put people in a slightly better position than what we were going into it. Like me, I think I said before, I didn't know my arsehole from my ear roll. And no. on top of that, you're dealing with all the stress, the grief, the upset. So just like, you know, get a little bit of, um, impart a little bit of our learned knowledge. Yeah. But, definitely seek uh, professional advice when, when uh, exploring any of these options. hundred percent. Uh, I echo that mate. It's, um, it's, a, it's just being that voice of, uh, these are the things we wish we'd known be a little bit more about. Uh, if we, if we kind of felt like that, other people are going to feel like that. I mean, just before we came on air, I said to you, mate, that what I now know as ICSI, I thought that was IVF. I thought it was all mm. done like that, and obviously we get into a bit of detail in a minute. Uh, but it's things like that, like if if it's if you're brand new to it, you're not going to have a clue, are you? You know, no. um, because it is a completely different world. And that and that was one of the first terms actually when we f- finally got referred onto the fertility clinic that was kind of uh, thrown at us was ICSI. Oh yeah, mm. we'll be, be looking to do ICSI, and then I'm like, well, what's that? Like, I've, you know, I thought we'd come here for IVF. And yeah, definitely. Like, and ultimately, they are different because that you know that's the professional then saying what they are intending, and it is different to IVF. So hey, we've talked about it. We may as well start there with Vixie. Vixie. Now, do you want me to give it a go? <laughs> yes, I do because I've heard you try. What's the <laughs> What's the full word? Full name of so I C S I. This is uh, just a disclaimer to anyone listening. I am uh, extremely dyslexic in reading, <laughs> but he's left me with this job. So I'm going to give it you're, you're making me sound like a flat track bully now. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, so it's intracytoplasmic sperm injection. Is that right? I think it's intra. Intra. So, yeah. In- intracytoplasmic sperm injection. injection. Yeah. But you so commonly, like I know exactly what it is and it's so commonly like referred to as ICSI yeah you, you don't, don't need to know you, that you don't need no. to know that but when 
you're sat in a consultant room and they suddenly say that long word, you can almost be thrown back in time and think, well, what the fuck is that? When actually you just know it as ICSI. Yeah, and I don't think that the, the full term was ever actually said to me. So uh, it's, it's only when I was writing it down <laughs> build up to this episode, I was like, oh, right, okay. That's, but, that's what it know, stands for. <laughs> it, the only thing we brought it in for in this pod was a bit of comedy for hearing Kieran say it. <laughs> <laughs> hey mate, I went to a live event and I've got to say it. <laughs> I'm definitely writing that down for you to bring up again. I. <laughs> so I guess we better explain what it is, really. So yeah. ICSI is basically um, traditional IVF. Uh, it is. I think if we did the traditional IVF first, because that's yeah. what people are going to know, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, go on. You do that now. I'll talk about ICSI. So the traditional IVF is uh, of intravenous fertilization, and that's or when in vitro fertilization. It depends how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's IVF, right? Yeah. So um, what they do basically, they put the egg and sperm, so multiple sperm, uh, into a dish, uh, and uh, kind of the sperm naturally makes its way into the egg, like it would within the womb. It's a lot less um, invasive to the egg compared mm. to what uh, ICSI is. Now, ICSI is when they have an egg and they take a sperm and they inject the um, egg with that sperm. So they don't put it into the dish uh, and kind of let it do its natural thing. They actually inject the sperm into the egg. Now, obviously, like you might be thinking, well, why would they do that for some? Uh, why would they give some people ICSI and let some people have IVF? Now, the main the main reason they do it is if, um, say, the, the male or the sperm quality is poor. Uh, and so they have to kind of identify the good sperm uh, and they will use one of them to then inject uh, the egg. So In ICSI? In ICSI, yeah, in ICSI. Mm. So if it's like IVF, they'll just pop it in. Um, like into a dish. So IVF is kind of more typically used when there's potentially low sperm counts, but uh, for example, your morphology and motility are yeah. of a decent of a, standard. Of um, a good standard, yeah. And then, like you said, that they're in the dish that it's they're doing their own thing more naturally, and that can be used as well in um, kind of where there's been uh, un- previous unsuccessful treatments. Uh, otherwise, um, such as IUI, which we'll come on to, or um, in cases of unexplained infertility, IVF then becomes a bit more common. Yeah. Yeah. So going back back to uh, the ICSI. So if you've got, like you've just said, mate, if you've got uh, like poor quality sperm, low mobility, uh, you know, everything's not looking good for you in terms of your sperm quality, they will direct you towards using uh, ICSI. And it was, IVF was never an option for me. Um, it was straight away. Ixy needs to be uh, is your way is your way forward because um, your sperm quality and volume and everything else was so low. Um, so yeah, that's the main difference. If you're looking at IVF, it's more of a in the bowl, one egg, multiple sperm, um, more of a natural penetration of the egg. Ixy is an injection of the egg with one sperm. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, so typically it should be used when there's low or, or poor sperm 
uh, quality uh, and then like this select the best option and and inject it directly uh if for example when i had my micro tz if they had found sperm it still would have been ICSI because they would have selected post the surgical sperm retrieval selected the, the best option and that, uh, again it's very commonly used when there has been surgical sperm retrieval yeah yeah and uh, it's actually ICSI is the most successful treatment for male infertility or male yeah. fertility issues yeah um they also might opt to do it um on the day if the sample you give uh isn't as high quality as they expect uh they might then opt um to go down the ICSI route rather than the the, the IVF route um, yeah but that can happen on the day so if anyone's yeah. listening listening and suddenly that pops up that's not unnormal um they'll go with what they've got on the day uh, yeah. and do the best possible treatment route for, for you and your partner yeah and we've actually um we've got an embryologist who's going to come on to a future episode actually and talk more in detail about that and, and what goes behind that decision-making and, and a whole array of things, which give that kind of that real, that, that, that expert practitioner point of view uh, from what goes on behind that scientific wall of well, we're on one side there on the other. So it's what goes on behind that little, um, once you've post- posted that sample yeah. through that patch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're the ones on the other side. That'll be a great chat. I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, it would be that, that, would that be. Would be coming in a, in a future series, but, um, yeah, then I, I touched upon briefly on IUI, um, yeah. which I didn't actually write down the, the full term for that. Uh, is it intravenous insemination? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, that was that was pronounced okay, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so that that is um, where that's used where sperm is being donated more commonly. Um, for example, in female same-sex couples or um, single females choosing to go down the fertility route. Yeah, and um, or can be if, for example, in a heterosexual couple where there's a physical disability which prevents uh, people having sex yeah this is used and it's a lot less invasive uh, procedure it's um literally uh sperm is, is injected in directly into the womb and then left very much kind of natural selection and the the, the inverted commas kind of normal uh way of uh, of fertilization happening um but because of that it, it's a lot less successful and um it's actually i think the least successful form of fertility treatment but it's a very very popular one because it, it actually you know it's, it's the cheapest one as well from what i understand and but actually in the uk um it's not typically funded by the nhs so that was never an option for us even though we eventually went down the donor sperm route that was never even on the table never offered no it's it, no it's it's something that i've had no kind of uh, interaction with because we it wasn't an option for us mm. uh we we didn't discuss it so it's something like do, just doing the research for this podcast is something that i've looked into and kind of uh all i can do is echo what you've just said in terms of the reasons why um uh, i think it's um a lot more prevalent in america yeah uh, that's people I speak to through yeah. instagram uh, that's um people are often ask like whether my wife and i went down that route and so yeah, I think it's a lot more popular over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there'd be reasons for that as well. You know, we're not going to get into those, but obviously, it's, it's it's more popular elsewhere in the world. 
I guess we should also talk about, um, you know, we talked about IVF and we talked about ICSI and kind of maybe the process that you go through if you're, you know, if you go down the ICSI route in terms of mm. when treatment starts to when a transfer occurs. So the first thing that will happen is your partner will start medication uh, and it always happens like it's, it's the first, if they let them, Jen had to let the clinic know when she was her it was her first day of her period so what they do then is they uh, give a medication to basically stimulate uh, the production of embryos after that period so you can have a long or short protocol in that in that period and obviously the long ones take a bit longer and the short ones take a bit shorter i'm not going to go into massive amounts of detail as it's a we said it's an overview but it's just to be aware of in the clinics, you'll have those conversations with your consultant. Um, and then they obviously uh, collect the eggs through egg, egg retrieval. Uh, once it, you know those follicles have developed in their mm. ovaries. And that's where you'd give your sample as a man. And then they put them together. However, they're going to put them together. So we've already talked about the IVF and the ICSI. So whichever one they choose. Um, and then the embryos would then start to uh, develop uh, and they'd either transfer them back in on day three or uh, day five. Ideally, you want them to go to day five because that's a full thing that is something called full blastocyst uh, and the embryo uh, is at its healthiest point for a, for a, a transfer. So that, I mean, that's real, like a nutshell, like a very brief kind of... Uh, description of what to expect yeah i think like for any blokes kind of wondering how that goes it is it's not easy it's like you know, i think i said on the first episode where i was talking about our, our story in full but like jenna had a, a needle phobia so suddenly she each time we we, we did the uh, injections, she was on long protocols which is about a month everyday injections it has to be in a, a very short window i think around two hours if memory serves me correctly but it's going back kind of um six years or so now but so you, you know you've got all the drugs at home and, and you're having to do this and you're on your own you get this chart you know you're ticking it off every day and it tells you exactly how much to do um and like you said uh you, you will inform the clinic when when the female starts her, her, her period and then they tell you exactly you have the drugs already and they, they'll tell you exactly what day you start on mm-hmm. So then you're off, really, whether you go for the short protocol, which is obviously shorter or longer, uh, the longer protocol. And then essentially the first part of that is down regulation. So it's like the medicine taking over the, the lady's natural cycle, um, because obviously that the normal monthly cycle is, will produce one egg. This is down regulating that. And then it, when, once you finish that element, you then move into the stimulation phase, which is then stimulating as many follicles in, within which the eggs will be as possible and in our case as i said before jenna was overstimulated so she produced 26 eggs 13 on each side and um so that was an awful lot um and, and that obviously had the repercussions and, and her illness because of that and yeah then like you said it, the, at the, the end goal is to uh, have an egg retrieval uh the, the final part of that actually you're going for a scan uh, in in the days towards the end of it and they'll tell you when to have a trigger shot exactly when and you have to have it exactly when they tell you because that is the kind of final oomph uh, 
that has to do with the kind of egg making process and this is definitely the, the caveat comes here about us not being scientific and experts but <laughs> then and then you're going for the egg retrieval quite often if people are having surgical sperm retrieval for example that will sometimes or quite often be tied in with that egg retrieval date so the bloke were going for their op the, the, the woman were going for their op and then ideally then it all happens at the same time after uh, or you know in, in certain cases people have that backup option of donor sperm if the, should the, the surgical sperm retrieval not work they'll have donor sperm that would have been selected and ready to, to push the button on we didn't do that we weren't we we were holding out for the surgical surgical sperm retrieval my micro to uh and, and then when it didn't work we then froze the eggs and took everything slower and i had to kind of get get my head around the donor side uh the, like the final kind of step of that um so yeah it's you know it's all very timetabled it's all very structured uh, and you are you know very much in the care of the clinic and they're there for any questions and of which there, there usually are lots because it is quite overwhelming at times and it, it you know when you're like I said, you're at home with all this, these meds. I remember the top shelf of our fridge just being absolutely chock-a-block with boxes of medication. Absolutely filled. Cupboards, yeah, cupboards full of needles. And then you've got the like the safety box thing for discarded needles, for used needles. It's like your home becomes like this mini pharmacy. And uh, it's just, it's like, and, and like we said before, this is all mixed in with the, the, the upset and the trauma and, and the needle phobias and and everything about it it's, it's all one big bomb really of of overwhelm at times but you do do it and i think for us mentally what helped was uh having that chart of of the protocol and tells you literally every day it's got in like tiny prints it's got the date what you're having how much and and that can change and then you go in for the scans and they might tell you to like reduce the, the dosage a little bit or whatever but but having that chart, ticking it off every day, that that was hugely beneficial for us mentally, um, chalking off those days. And then actually, you know, when you get a week in, two weeks in, suddenly then over the hump and, and, and you're on the downward slope and you're getting towards the end, it, you really start to see the light at the end of the tunnel because I, I remember the first ever one that Jenna had to do and like sat there with the, the needle for... So I think, yeah, it was pretty much... I'm pretty sure it was a two-hour window you get. Yeah, so it is. I'm pretty sure it. it is. Yeah. So we like prepped it at the beginning of that. I think she literally sat there fretting about it until about one hour and 55 minutes in. It was just like, I've just got to do it. And that was a huge step, getting that first one done. Yeah, I mean, you've you've gone into some real like descriptive description there. And it, as you're saying it, all these memories are just flooding back for me. I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. It's, um, I remember that final trigger, that f- final trigger, uh, injection being really, uh, like a pinnacle moment. It was like, mm. this is it. We're going. It's massive it's, as well, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's thick, you twist it? it to do the dose and yeah. yeah, it's, uh, because you know, as soon as that goes in, it all starts in terms of mm. the actual, the egg collection is going to happen and then the next bit's going to happen. And then, you know, in terms of uh, whatever treatment you're going to have is about to occur. And it can yeah. seem really like out of worldy, 
like not quite mm. real. Like you're doing something that feels very unnatural. It does. Um, you know, it's not like people make out about how a child, you know, babies should be made and you feel really kind of, uh, well, I certainly did. I felt it was really like just unnatural and I found it really hard. Um, especially thinking that we were going through that because of, because of me. Yeah. And, uh, like, there's a lot of guilt wrapped up in those periods especially when it's male factor and you you're just like you you feel that you you are solely the responsible for putting your your partner through all this pain and it's it's really hard yeah uh, and basically what i want to kind of say is to guys that if you're feeling like that i'm going to say that's a completely natural thing to feel because you're processing what's going on Um, and just remember you're not the only guy that's one going through it on that day and two that has ever been through it and we'll go, people will go through it again. Um, mm. But when you, when you're in that position, like finding support is really important, you know, to yeah. get that, get talking at that moment. And I think like what I did to help me in that, like try and get over that guilt was play my part in mm. that, that process and uh, prep the injections for Jenna and like have her chilling out on the sofa as I was doing it all. Cause you've got to be really careful not to get bubbles in it, for example. Yeah. So you'd yeah. Like to, get one bit out and so like you've got to be careful to only put the needle in the in the, the little vial once if possible because it blunts the needle each time yeah. and like if if there were times where i couldn't be there to, to get the injections ready if i was working or whatever i'd leave notes in in the the vial like the little liquid just saying like love you like stuff like that like you got this just little things that just helped me play my part us men we like to do that we like to feel that we're useful and that that was a, a really useful thing for me to do and it helped me it helped her of course especially when in the earlier days like got to the point where she's barely looking she's just like right stabbing it in but but then there were times where she was very bloated very swollen very bruised and because you alternate which side you do it on in the abdomen um, and it becomes like one side of just becomes a pinprick in the end doesn't it like there's yeah. pinpricks all over the stomach yeah and i found that harder you know the early the early days I was very much like, let's just get it done. And Jen was the same. Um, but as she became more uncomfortable because it does become uncomfortable, uh, that's when I struggled and, um, yeah. but being present, like being present with her doing it, it, it is the best thing you can do. I feel for yourself, but also for your partner. You yeah. Know, you're in it together. Um, she supports you when you need it and you support her when she needs it. Um, and you know, you've just said it yourself. It, it does make it a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Because like, it's like you said, and like, and I, you've got that guilt and you feel that, Oh, I'm really in this situation because of me. And then I bet you, your gen said it because my gen definitely said it. It's no, 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 we're in this together. So then like the, then to echo what you just said is that then it is dragging you in and, and pulling you in as as that couple uh, and playing your part, playing your part in the in the, the the whole process and and again for me I just to I, I essentially just try to do anything I could to remove the burden from Jenna so like keeping track of the dates the when stuff was happening what appointments were happening when we had to be at places, if the clinic needed to be phoned for some information, I would do that. And it was just for me that that was my way really of, of making myself 
useful, important. What you know, it's, it's all of these things, and and trying to reduce that guilt. Yeah, hundred percent. I would. Um, I just distinctly remember we went out for dinner, and me and Jen, and we had a chat about how we would do it. We made it like uh, feel as normal as possible. We went out, we had dinner, we went to a little Italian restaurant up by our flat at the time. And we just sat and we discussed it as if it was something we just both had to do together. How are we going to do it? I'll do this because it will make me feel a bit more comfortable with it. Can you track what this is, this, you know, what volume you're supposed to put in today, Jen? Because I, I know I struggled with that bit. So Jen was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. So we just had that open discussion and it's a bit of advice I'll give anyone listening that's about to go into their first cycle sit down and really have a chat, make a point about it, about mm. how you want to, how you can support each other, um, make a plan, stick to it. Uh, like you did buddy in terms of, you know, you knew what your role was, uh, in that process. Uh, and it, it will make it feel that little bit more manageable and that you've got that little bit more control than it being a kind of a, a situation that you're in and you've got no control over control yeah. the bits you can. Yeah, exactly. The rest will do itself. We hope you're enjoying the first episode of the Male Fertility Podcast. We just want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Exceed Health. Exceed Health are on a mission to improve your chances of becoming a father by making it easier for you to understand your fertility. Using an entirely at-home test kit, you are now able to analyse your sperm from the comfort of your own home. Paired with your phone, you're able to see close-up images of your sperm and Exceed's analysis gives you results within minutes, showing you the progressive sperm count, which is the number one indicator of male fertility potential. The test comes with a free app and you're able to follow the in-app plans to try to improve your motile sperm count with tips that are specifically designed in line with your results and your lifestyle. To get 15% of all XC products, visit xc.com and use the promotional code MFP15. That's MFP15. Now, let's get back to the show. Oh, it's made perfect, perfect um, summary, and and that kind of brings us on to so that's the the kind of uh, the, that's the assisted reproduction side, the the IVF, and I said the, the umbrella term of, of of fertility treatment, and then there's the alternate routes that you may take. So in my case, for example, we we did talk about uh, like should my microtesi not uh, yield any results, which it didn't. Obviously, what where would we go after that? And we, we discussed both uh, donor sperm and adoption. Jenna said, you know, like, let's, we, why don't we do adoption? And then we, we're, we're both kind of in the same boat, if you know what I mean, in, in terms of she's not uh, having her genetics passed on as well. And we're both going to deal with that side. And I, I felt that, that I, I really wanted to see her go through a, a pregnancy and experience that. And because she had no fertility issues, her, her fertility was all, like on point i just felt that it would be a shame in that circumstance not to to at least try i hadn't I, you know i was not against adoption at all i just felt that after a lot of soul searching and, and perhaps something 
we'll address in future episodes as well, but just how I came to be accepting of using Dogesperm. I I was like, no, I'd love to to try that and, and see her carry a baby and, and play like then experience that for myself as well. And I felt that that would help with my bonding. And, but, um, you know, I was, I, I was not against adoption at all. And, um, like, yeah, I, I know people that have done it and I, I speak to someone almost every day at work who's got two beautiful children who, who she adopted both of they're now about 11 and seven that she adopted both of them when they were like babies and, it's the same as me even with my donor conceived children. She is their their mum. Like you know, I know the dad as well a little bit, but they're the parents, and and they're, they're so happy, and they've raised two beautiful children, and and so yeah, like I've, having seen that in other aspects as well, I was more than willing to to like go down that route. Should we need to, and should it be uh, a pathway that we both wanted to to do? And I'm not sure if you had any considerations with. Them. Yeah, I mean. I mean, we talked before we um, well, we were planning this episode, didn't we, about uh, the options and uh, adoption is one of them. Um, me and Jen discussed it and I think if ICSI hadn't have been successful, we may have gone down the adoption route. And the reason for that is um, that Jen's sister is actually adopted. So we've seen firsthand, well... Jen, as a when she was younger, saw firsthand, and I've seen, you know, as an adult, how wonderful adoption can be for the family and also for the individual. We both openly talked to each other, mate, about how we're not experts in adoption, um, because you know, you and me haven't been through it. So we we kind of planned to do an episode on that at some point, get someone in to talk about that. I think. Um, it will be the right thing to do because there will be people that listen to this who that that is what they choose to do. We need to do it the conversation justice in terms of really what yeah stuff people need to know. But for the for the for this conversation at least, like we discussed it, um, it was an option. We didn't have to take it up. So kind of that's when the door shut for us. It wasn't an option after that. But I think it's something that as all couples should at least discuss because it is an option and then you're aware that it's there uh, many people don't go down that route because they have success or they choose donor sperm like you like you guys did yeah and like you said we we'll get someone on who, who's experienced it firsthand and can talk about it but what i do know is that it's yet another kind of almost toxic phrase that can be thrown about when people are dealing with fertility issues oh you can just adopt well there's no just about it this is this this is a human life you're talking about and also from what i do know from my friend at work is that it's a very long and hard process yes to do that. it is it is a very long process i've got friends that are you know going through it at the moment and you don't just give children to anybody it's a mm. real hard process and i think when you go through a process like that there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself deep questions um and be ready uh, for a lot of questioning but like yeah. i think i think you know we've kind of brushed it today i don't want to go too down the rabbit hole because as we said we're not really uh, experts in it so um we yeah. will cover that another day well one thing i, I do have first-hand experience that's what i was of. about to say young man <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah it's, it's um donor sperm and yeah. it's um you know so with that 
um, again, it's something that you don't just jump into. It's not a just use donor sperm. It, it's a huge decision to make because, again, there's hopefully on the other end of it, children involved. And it gets to the point where any conversation about you as a couple who are going through fertility treatment, the conversation then has to kind of take the shift to future children and putting yourself in their shoes uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, a lifetime down the road because suddenly it's not just about you two, it's about who you could be bringing into the world as well. So you have to make every decision with the future best interests of children involved. And for us, we knew we would love wholly and go all in with, with donor sperm. And, and like I said, some of my reasons for wanting to do that as well was to see Jenna experience carrying a baby and childbirth as well so yeah yeah it's not just a it's not a plaster that fixes infertility you, you can't just paper over the cracks because you have to do that that real deep inner work to to really understand why you're doing it and the, the, the reasons behind it because what if you rush into it and you do it just because you want a child but you haven't really considered the the, the implications then that I believe can really have an impact down the line and and, because you have to bear in mind just how easy it is these days to to find out dna history family background ancestry.com and all that and that was a key part of our um you have in the uk you have to have mandatory implications counseling it's called before selecting a donor and we were going into that we were still unsure we were 100 were all in on the fact that we were going to use a donor but we were unsure as to whether we would disclose to, to any future children their, their, their background um, but coming out of that the, the counsellor opened our eyes hugely to to the implications should the children find out and and just how easy it is to find out and actually what she a great point she made is that it actually might not necessarily be them seeking out uh, further information or doing ancestry checks or DNA checks or whatever it can be other people who are doing it who do know yeah. uh, their, their background and their history and they find out through dna links that they are half siblings or, or whatever relation to to your donor conceived children and contact them so yeah. you can imagine that the kind of the fallout of that and previous generations so for example should uh, my parents have needed this uh 40 odd years ago they were all being advised to not tell and mm what's coming out of that now is a whole generation of young adults who are finding out because of how science has moved on and they're now finding out and it's extremely traumatic so yeah but you know everyone's decision has to be the right decision for them as a family so i'm not here to preach but i'm just saying what firmly changed our mind as as what we feel the right thing to do is and that's to tell early and tell often um and also part of that comes down to the fact that in the uk since 2005 there are no anonymous donors um, donors cannot be financially compensated other than their expenses and they have to provide details that uh, when the donor conceived child reaches 18 um, they can if request it and, and find out um, the, the name date of birth and last known address um, so because that came in 2005 we are now hitting that point where the, the initial 18 year olds are now turning yeah. that age where they can find out. So that's something which anyone considering that has to really 
give uh, serious thought to because it's real, you know, it's, um, but it's also important to know that it's a, it's a wonderful gift that donors are giving, but they don't have parental responsibility anyway. They, the names don't go on the, the birth certificates or anything like that. So, you know, they are your children, mm. but it's just important to know that those details can be sought out. I mean, from 16, um, the, the donor conceived children can find out a certain amount of, inf- of information, but it wouldn't necessarily be enough to identify the person right. that's when they're 18. Um, essentially what they can find out at 16, it's what's available to the, the donor recipient parents when they're choosing. Uh, and so I think perhaps I'll touch a little bit upon how that process works. Um, so we, uh, when we decided to, to use um, a donor, we chose to stay in-house uh, mm-hmm. at the clinic we were at in Bournehall because they had an in-house sperm bank. So it was reducing an element of stress by staying in-house. But, I mean, people can and do import sperm from all over the world. Um, I know there's a huge market in America, a huge market in Scandinavia. And certainly in America, you can have anonymous, uh, anonymous donors and, and have that shipped over. But no, we knew that in the UK that that wasn't an option for us. So we started out with, we selected uh, the, the kind of um, the biometric data that we, we wanted. And at this point, this is still when we were undecided about whether we'd be telling or not. So we went pretty much straight down the middle of both of us. We weren't trying to recreate an, a replica me because I had come to terms with the fact that that was now not, I was, I couldn't pass on that Um so I wasn't trying to just recreate me with exactly the same eyes and hair. We just went, we wanted a child or, or children to fit in with us as a family. Um, and plus, you know, the thing is, well, with my wife's side of the family, they're all, uh, the resemblance is crazy. So even my two brother-in-laws who have, there's a, no, I've gone mad. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law who have married into to my wife's side of the family, their children still resemble hugely my wife's side. So, you know, that's, that, that's through like natural conception. So there's, there's no guarantee that I'm ever going to pass on resemblance anyway, because it seems to be that, that, that is so strong on my wife's side anyway. But so, yeah, we, we went kind of average of both of us and, and then uh, the clinic matched that. Uh, and we were given a choice of six, uh, donors that matched all of the criteria that we we chose um now i've heard of situations where people for example are shopping sperm in america where there's thousands of of choices and, and for me that would create a bit of anxiety like um you have a lot too much choice almost so i'm, I'm pleased that we only had six and there's mandatory data that the donors have to pr- uh, provide which is their biometric style like their their characteristics like height weight eye color any known medical history um uh, they'll be checked for infections when donating like your kind of your normal like big hitters like hiv gonorrhea syphilis etc that so that's all checked anyway and um and, and they, yeah the family history of, of any known medical conditions um and then what, so that's all mandatory information that they have to provide. And then there's uh, optional 
and which is kind of like a pen picture of who they are as a person, their characteristics. Uh, and out of hours, I can't remember if I covered this in my episode or not, but this is you know still relevant now. But out of hours six, out of hour six, two provided a lot of detail about who they are as a person, uh, their their family background, why they were donating. Um, and it was very heartwarming. They were donating because they were experiencing fertility issues on the female side and they wanted to give back uh, because they were so grateful of receiving donor eggs. And we were, as humans, we were drawn to them because uh, it was just, yeah, as I said, it was heartwarming. Um, and then a third one gave a little bit of background but hadn't written much, maybe a couple of sentences. And then the other three were blank. So after initially being very drawn to those two that wrote really nice stories and just saying that they really hope that they can provide a happy family to, to someone else, it's, you know, it's like I said, it, we just it, we were drawn to them. But in the end, we decided to go for one of the ones that had a blank profile because we didn't want to have any kind of expectation for who our children might be. We wanted them to be who they are. Uh, a blank canvas flourish and help them flourish in, into exactly who they are as a person and obviously nurture them the best we can as well so this isn't the case by the way but for example say one of the donors was a professional footballer or a sportsman or, or any you know something like that we wouldn't want to be then subconsciously because i'm sure it would happen be like thrusting a football at them all the time yeah. and oh i wonder yeah, yeah. i wonder like whether they ever choose to kick a ball in their lives as much as i love football is up to them because i'm it's, it's always going to be solely about them so that's what what we chose in the end and, and i wouldn't change a thing about that do you know mate like it's i don't know much about the donor route um like like uh i said about the adoption it was something that we discussed but it, it didn't kind of we didn't have to go down that route but it it sounds awfully complex and I think that it's definitely something that we need to do an episode on. I think there's a real need like to cover it in like 15, 20 minutes doesn't do it justice. Um, no. But it's, it's really interesting to get like an insight into that thought process that you went through and the process, the actual physical process. Um, but as you said, right at the beginning, it's, it's, you know coming to terms or processing that that's what you're going to be doing um is almost that big conversation that many men kind of need to hear yeah if that makes sense but it um it's it's you know it's an amazing thing that you've just you know talked about um i did have a question but i was so intrigued with what you were saying i kind of like i had this image in my head of you know what would what would it feel like to kind of get six options like how did that how there was that presented to you was it on bits of paper or did you mm. get like documents on people uh, there's so many questions running through my mind um that i'm gonna literally just um paper and um, we've still got the one that we chose we've still got the the, pa- the sheet for it yeah. page of a4 and you uh, and like you talk to to uh, um regularly uh to the children about it 
do they do they know now or have you not kind of gone into that yet with them? they're too they're too young for that yeah. uh, we, we've, we've got some books that tell a story of sperm donation right and, yeah, yeah. um our well, one of jenna's best friends is an extremely talented artist so yeah. we've got her because of the books always had just one kid in hmm. um so we've got her to draw in a second kid is like exactly mirroring the artwork on the book right okay. because we wanted to make it it was all you know we didn't know we were going to have twins of course no, no. Like, but we wanted it to be about there was the two of them because we didn't want to do have a book with one this is just the things <laughs> that your mind plays on you when you're going through these complex routes to parenthood we didn't want to have one kid in, in the book and then when the kids when we're talking to them they'll go well which one of us is that which one did you want and yeah. and of course like that may never come up but you just play out these scenarios because you go through so much pain and you're covering off things but you know it's still it's a lovely thing it's a lovely gift that she's mm. done for us so thank you Lindsay, if you ever listen to this <laughs> she'd give me stick uh if i didn't mention her i think <laughs> you better but, mate. Uh, you better yeah but um, no, no. yeah it's, it's really good and um you know, we 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 will read them those books when it's time. Yeah. Quite frankly, like, I get asked that a lot from people on on Instagram. Is like, when are you or are you telling them when are you going to start? But the thing is, like, they're not going to understand now. No, like, no. They're, they're too young. They're not even free yet. And I think a lot of people, again, it's what's right for you as a person. But a lot of people might start earlier. And I think a part of that is getting used to seeing it as the adult, as the parent, getting used to telling the story. Mm-hmm. But because I've been telling my story now for three years and now we're doing the pod i am and my, my wife as well we're completely comfortable yeah with without our rationale our choices what we did so i don't need to practice it or rehearse it because i talk about it all the time yeah. so i think for me that i'll tell them when i'm i'll start introducing it you know when the, i i you'll just i i believe that we'll know when the time's right to yeah. start bringing in a few things but we're nowhere near that yeah we're still talking about mermaids and unicorns all the time so. hey mate that sounds like perfect <laughs> things to talk about it's yeah. um i think it's it's not just with like uh donor sperm either though i remember distinctly kind of thinking do we when do we tell the children like because it will come up at some point they'll they'll do it in school they'll cover it somewhere uh and i think sebi was around about four and a half five when we first started to have those conversations, but like you're, you're already probably unconsciously laying the foundations to have those conversations, like with the book um, and, and talking through podcast on the podcast and everything you do. It, there's ways of preparing yourself without actually telling the, you know, yeah. the, the children. Yeah. The, the main thing, mate, like we were talking about, obviously the pathways, um, and I think you've given a great description of that donor pathway. Um, but it's just left me with so many questions. And I know that we've got like, uh, we haven't got much time to go through it, if any time. But I, we definitely need to revisit this. Because I think there'd be so yeah. many people out there that will have so many questions similar to me. Because it's a new world to me. It's something I never kind of had to go into. Um And, and I know that I'm thinking these questions that listeners will be listening uh, who are listening will be thinking as well yeah um, so thanks for that really like you know like we said before it's a brief stop isn't it or brief cover of everything that goes yeah. on yeah what we it's like we said at the outset what we wanted to do in today's episode was give people a bit of knowledge about what is likely to come up in, in any fertility journey and um because we were we just had no idea and mm. and i wish that i had 
been more informed like Jenna was, and I know your Jen was as well, yeah. because they did that, but I wasn't in a place where I could do that. But hopefully by people just hearing it and just getting in that little nugget of information and just having a bit of a better foresight as to what might come, it's, it can only be a help. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I'm going to echo that right now. It was, I didn't necessarily have to have all the information, but I would have just liked a little bit of information before it all kicked off, and just so I knew kind of what roughly I could prepare myself for. And hopefully, this this episode's done that for people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that brings us to a tidy little conclusion there. Yeah, man. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, I was going to make a Christmas joke, but it's kind of, we done that earlier, didn't we? Right. In terms yeah. of like Christmas has been, we all hope you had a great one. Um, yeah. We've enjoyed record. I've really enjoyed recording this episode and I hope people really find it beneficial. So uh, until the next time, um, or oh, should we, should we do um, contact details? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you, as you, always, uh, you go with the Instagram yeah. first, buddy. Instagram is at the male fertility podcast and email is, um the male fertility podcast at gmail.com good lad okay. right that's been a pleasure and uh yeah mate can't wait till the next one yeah man uh we'll take care and um i'll speak to you soon buddy cheers bye have a good one bye